What is up, fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am a very exasperated Damp Valley who, after planning all his content drops for and recording his content drops for the beginning of this week, starting Tuesday, found out via Woj that RJ Barrett had agreed to a four year, $120 million extension with the Knicks, part of which is incentive based. Um, that's per Ian Begley saying it's tied to all star appearances, among other things. We don't know the full details yet, but we'll get into that. First and foremost, though, let me remind you, let me plead with you to continue subscribing to us wherever you're consuming us. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Also hit the like button and leave comments as they can help the algorithm love us back. Really trying to build up this channel and your support would mean the world. We do not take ourselves very seriously around here, but we do a thorough job covering the rest of the NBA. If this is your first time listening to us in a podcast player, please subscribe. Uh, leave ratings and reviews on iTunes and Spotify as well. We recently hit the top 85 in basketball podcast for Apple. I believe it was, it'd be really cool if we could sneak in like the top 50 or something ridiculous. So help me juice up those numbers, subscribe, leave ratings and reviews. Those are how, um, iTunes, or excuse me, Apple podcast is going to help, um, or make it more likely that we're found by people, how to help people find us. But if you've just stumbled across us because you wanted to see what we thought about, what I thought about the RJ Barrett extension, just consider throwing us that permanent subscription, downloading every episode. It helps this podcast out a ton. Also, join our Discord. Uh, the link to that is in the podcast description as well as the YouTube description. And follow us on all the socials. Those are on the screen if you're watching on YouTube or they can be found in the podcast and YouTube description themselves. Finally, uh, if you've done all those things, please consider recommending us to people who you know like Hoops or retweeting our promos on Twitter to help us out um, or you know, bumping our YouTube channel to someone who's looking for more content. Uh, I've been putting out a lot of stuff during during the offseason, so I appreciate you all following along and any new uh, people who are hopping aboard the community. With that out of the way, let's talk some R.J. Barrett, and let's not frame it first and foremost in the context of how it impacts the Donovan Mitchell trade sweepstakes since that's what Woj did. Uh, just shameless here by the you talk about woes, but also the Knicks. Let's just let's let's start here though. RJ Barrett, four years, $120 million. As Ian Begley from SNY uh noted, the bonuses for RJ Barrett's rookie extension are tied to all-star selections, selections to the three all NBA teams and NBA all defensive teams. Um so it's worth uh, it's worth up to $120 million. So that implies that these bonuses are heavy. It could be as much as something like $2 million for each of these benchmarks across all four of those years, in which case maybe you're talking about like a, a crap ton of money in bonuses. I don't know what the final dollar amount that's going to be guaranteed. I think a lot of people had sticker shock when they first saw this deal. And to this point, uh, as I mentioned in something that I recorded before this news actually broke with regards to Donovan Mitchell and spoiler alert, the Raptors check your feeds for that sometime later this week. Um, I don't think RJ Barrett has shown that he can be the second best or the best player on a championship contender. Would I rule out the outcome? No, just because he just wrapped up his age 21 season. The Knicks have sort of thrown him through the, the ringer when it comes to his roles. Uh, I would certainly not rule out him being the third or fourth best player on a title contender. And that's really what this is paying him as when this deal kicks in, in 2023, 2024, uh, he, that the salary cap right now is projected to be like $133.6 million. And so, even if he got the full 30, you're talking about someone who's going to be worth about 22%, a little bit more than 22% of the salary cap. That's not a big deal. And that's assuming he starts at 30. I assume there'll be escalators here instead of the Knicks to having him on a declining deal like they've done with some of the most recent contracts they've signed. 
that's fine for someone who's going to profile. If you are championship contenders, your third or fourth best player. And again, that cap number could go up and the deal notes could go down. I mean, like I'll be, I'll personally be shocked if there's more than $112 million guaranteed as part of this deal. My guess would be that there's somewhere in the neighborhood of eight plus million dollars tied to incentives, which if he reaches the Knicks would obviously be happy to pay it. And fans should be thrilled to, to foot that bill. Uh, the number could still rub some the wrong way if they just, deem rj barrett a lost cause someone who has never shot better than 56 percent at the rim for an entire season someone who's never posted higher than a 53.5 true shooting percentage so not even coming close to sniffing league average for his career uh i get it but the context of what's happened with the knicks matters first and foremost he's not had a consistent role he's been with three different iterations of the knicks essentially. And after he made strides in his sophomore season, especially looking at RJ leading those bench heavy units, and then his catch and shoot shot from deep, they buried him further in the offensive pecking order, which I don't think did them or him any favors. They eventually gave him more control over the offense as the season went on. We saw him attack the basket more, had some really nice moments doing that. I think there's actually a lot more to plumb. If you surround him with better spacing, which they've also not done, they have these, they have not surrounded him with a team that shoots a lot of threes um, at an efficient clip. They've been efficient through most of his seasons, particularly the last two, I believe, but they're not taking threes at this obscene volume. If you surround him with shooters, I think he's a good enough passer to maybe not pass guys open, but to react properly to defenses and find guys uh, around the hoop, creating assists at the rim with some of his, you know, change of acceleration dribbles. He's low turnover. Uh, his career turnover percentage is at 10.9, and it's improved in each and every season. He was under 10% turning the ball over on under 10% of his possessions last year. That's a big deal. Uh, I think he's defended well above his pay grade and well above what anyone's expected. The metrics on defense will still not paint him as the most uh, impactful defender. He's not like an exceptional rebounder. I think he's just fine for, for his size or the position that he's playing. And given how the Knicks have, have run their offense, uh, particularly looking to get the ball in the hands of Julius Randle uh, as soon as possible and to get him to to run the show. Uh, but the assignments he's needed to cover, especially last year, but what I saw from him as a sophomore, if he's not someone who will elevate you on defense within a team concept, he's certainly someone who's not going to torpedo you. And that's while taking on maybe the, you know, the second toughest assignment, that's high praise for a wing who's only coming off his age 21 season and so he's not going to wow you with the steal of the block rates but he is just someone who is stout and solid can handle on the ball and won't really burn you when he's when he's away from it he's also not going to take chances do you want him as your primary wing defender i'd argue no you don't want him on the best players uh it, that are playing the two and the three spot or maybe even the four depending on the lineups you're talking about that's not something he necessarily did a, a ton through his first three seasons but i think he has the size and strength six seven and he is like pretty pretty strong to defend up uh, maybe he's listed at six, six, six. I always thought he was listed at six, seven. I think he could do some stuff as a small ball four. I also believe that the three point shooting is going to remain serviceable. He is shooting over 37% on catch and shoot threes for his career. That's a big deal. He didn't shoot 40 plus percent like he did as a sophomore this past season. Uh, and he, it was while raising his volume, but the Knicks were worse this season. They gave him more responsibility and the spacing was off. The quality of looks just felt like they weren't the same. Uh, and at 34.2%, that's close enough to yeah, like a like league average to not necessarily worry uh, about where he is. And so he's probably somewhere in between. Maybe he just ends up being this 36, 37% shooter from three. If he's going to be 
uh, 37 plus percent off the catch, then I think that's, you know, that's perfectly fine. This isn't someone who is subsist subsisting on wide open corner looks either. He actually shot 31% from the corners this past season. So he was better away from the corners above the break. Only 25% of his threes came from um, the corners this past year. So he was at 36% on uh, above the break or non-corner threes, however you want to frame it. That's a fine number. And I think it shows because most of his attempts, he's not taking these off the dribble three pointers. It's happened a little bit, but it's not, he's not Donovan Mitchell. That's not who he's, he's not even Jalen Brunson in that regard. And that's not something Jalen Brunson. That's not a strength of his is my point. That's more so the Knicks have left Julius Randle to those devices, even though they arguably should not have. So he is scalable on offense to where I think you don't need to put the ball in his hands for him to be effective. He can still be a threat and is comfortable working away from it as more of a stationary shooter, not someone who's in constant motion. I would like to see him get more on ball reps. I think there's going to be something to, I don't think he'll ever have an off the bounce three, but I think there could be something to his mid range game. And more importantly, the, the force and thrust with which he played towards the latter half of last season, I really think that this is someone who will be a much better finisher at the rim who can create opportunities by getting the foul line eventually. Not sort of unlike we saw with the mid-career progression of a Jimmy Butler. Uh, I don't think he's ever going to have Barrett, Barrett will have that type of just gravity, but this is someone who has done a pretty okay, not even pretty okay, just a really awesome job when looking relative to his position at drawing shooting fouls. And I think that's something that's only going to continue to improve if you put the ball in his hands. So there's more to plumb here. And we too often look at these 22-year-olds as finished products when that's not what they are. He's about to enter year four. His role with the Knicks has been wildly inconsistent. Not the minutes, but the the context of his usage. And so you need some stability there. The, the catch-22 is, I don't think the Knicks are currently built to give it to him since you still have Randall. You've now added Jalen Brunson. I don't know where he fits into that pecking order, and it'll only become more complicated if both Randall and Brunson on top of Barrett remain once the Knicks make this Donovan Mitchell trade, which, by the way, it's not dead. Uh, we will get to that in a second. So I'm ultimately fine with the Knicks extending R.J. Barrett, their you know first draft pick to re-sign with them on this extension since Charlie Ward. That's just still a wild factoid here. Uh, I think it was smart to lock him up on this deal, or at least not unwise. It's He would really have to torpedo from here on for this to be uh, one of the worst contracts in the league. And it's four years. It's not the full five. I don't know if there's a player option on the back end of it. It takes him through his age 26 season, though, at most, which is nothing. That's like the, you know, the start of his prime or maybe nearing his peak. And I really do believe there's a ton of runway here for growth from him. And I think this, when you're looking at the inefficiency of a player we've seen these guys who've had mid not mid-career but sort of early career turnarounds after you know two three four rather inefficient seasons look at Kemba Walker when he really turned himself into a good off the dribble shooter after struggling so much uh even someone who might be more of a better comp their games are not similar but Bradley Beal when it felt like he was sort of not I guess struggling to find his place in Washington's offense through the first three seasons of his career and then something just clicks and you give him maybe a little bit more agency. He learns how to play alongside the personnel as the team's getting better, and there's more stability there. That's something that I could see happening for R.J. Barrett. I don't think he, I think at this point you bet against him becoming as good as Bradley Beal, but it's something like that transition is not outside the realm of possibility. And so if you have sticker shock, I get it. We still need to remember that we have to evaluate these deals uh, in the, 
the, the image of what the salary cap is going to be. And right now, like RJ Barrett, someone's going to take up maybe 20% of the Knicks salary cap long-term. That's just, that's not big enough to be up in arms about. I'm fine with them betting on his potential. I'd probably argue it's actually smarter than not, provided they have an actual plan for him, which I don't love the setup right now. There's not a ton of spacing around him. And then he's going to be third in the pecking order, potentially fourth, uh, depending on how things shake out. And so that will be something to monitor that. I think this is even a situation where if he is in potentially moved, um, not this season, since he'll be on the poison pill, since the poison pill provision kicks in, it just, he's not immovable, but it's a lot harder to move him. If he's ever moved down the line, it wouldn't shock me if you put him in a better ecosystem or just a more clarifying one that you could see him thrive. And I don't think he needs to leave the Knicks to thrive. I just think give him a clarifying role and like stick to it. I I really believe that this is someone who we're not talking about is on the fringes of a top 100 player conversation that he would maybe be closer to like top 50. Uh, maybe it's someone who works his way into that all-star all-NBA discussion. I have not ruled out said outcome for RJ Barrett's career. And that's why I think this, I'm not going to call the extension a home run because there's some risk caked in here. I don't know that he's been worth this much money through his first four years, uh, first three years, excuse me. But I think he's shown enough at different points and in a lot of different areas. When you look at defense, his set jumper, and then him attacking the rim last year, and some of the you know passes that he made um, and the attention that he drew while he was attacking downhill like that. I think this was a justified risk insofar as it's even a risk. Uh, so we'll see if he remains part of their long-term core, but it's pretty easy to expect him to be in New York through at least this season. Which brings us to Donovan Mitchell, because everything Knicks is framed uh, through Donovan Mitchell and the way Woj framed it was just like wild in the initial tweet of the, the RJ Barrett extension reporting uh, Woj had said New York Knicks guard RJ Barrett is finally like a four year rookie extension that could be worth up to 120 million. His agent, Bill Duffy uh, told ESPN complicating the franchise's offseason trade pursuit of Utah jazz all-star Donovan Mitchell. Can we give RJ Barrett's contract extension its own tweet, please? Before we go right to Donovan Mitchell, it didn't need to be clickbait. There was no link. In that tweet, and RJ Barrett is, I think, a big enough household name, or at least divisive enough name in NBA circles that that draws engagement anyway. And it's the fucking Knicks. So you, it could have been, you know, like Kevin Knox agreeing to an extension last year and people would have cared about it. So I just don't understand why you shoehorn that into the tweet unless you're trying to sort of preemptively win the press conference. Uh, that you're intending to have with Donovan Mitchell or about the Donovan Mitchell trade sweepstakes. Woj noted in basically the follow-up piece uh, th that he that he wrote, the Knicks set a deadline of Monday for to get a, a trade done for Mitchell with the Jazz. When they didn't meet it, they committed to R.J. Barrett with an extension, which again makes him harder to trade. It also insinuates that R.J. Barrett needed to be in every single permutation that uh, of a Donovan Mitchell trade, which which no, because most of the permutations that have been floated out there did not include R.J. Barrett. Uh, I don't think, I think R.J. Barrett's a good player who the Jazz do not want and probably shouldn't want because they would have had to have made the decision on his future. Not, not if not now, then by the end of next season and to recommit to someone who you only have a year with at most and when you're in the, the infancy of a rebuild, it just gets finicky. And I can understand why you wouldn't want to do that. My expectation is that they didn't want to do that. That was all along. And I argued on this podcast, it's a difficult conversation to have, but if you were the Knicks and you had the option of giving up RJ Barrett or holding on to two or three additional first round picks, it would have made more sense to hold on to those picks since they would in theory probably be more value in future trades. If you want to acquire another start a pair with Mitchell, this feels like the framing feels like the Knicks 
are really going out of their way now to make it seem like they're going to swindle a jazz, the jazz if and when a deal happens because they were able to keep RJ Barrett. And that's just not like, I don't want to say nothing could be further from the truth, but they're not going to swindle the jazz teams that are trading superstars are seldom ever swindled, especially ones that are making the decision on their own accord. Like the jazz so far are. And when that player has all this time left on his contract, like Donovan Mitchell does. And so you're not swindling anybody and you don't need to make it seem like the Jazz had all this interest in Barrett or weren't willing to do a deal without Barrett, yet eventually you figure out a way to get it done anyway. You're not winning that press conference because it's like that's not an actual, like this is not an actual war to be won. Everyone can tell that Barrett doesn't make a ton of sense for Utah. And if you wanted to, after the fact, paint it as a victory that you didn't need to give up a, your Maybe you could argue your only core prospect because Barrett's the closest you come to a blue chip prospect, depending on how you feel about Quentin Grimes. Fine. If you want, that's what the Timberwolves did with Jaden McDaniels and Rudy Gobert. I find it very hard to believe that they saved more than one first round pick or swap and that it was probably an earlier pick, not one of the distant ones, by keeping Jaden McDaniels. It's fine they wanted to keep him. It's fine they're painting that as a big win to each their own, but to now portray the RJ Barrett extension as you having a backbone in Mitchell talks and that you're going to come out of this huge win because one of the players, the jazz desperately covered it. Because if you're going to come out and say that there are significant complications, that there are significant um, hurdles now to clear in the parameters of a deal, because RJ Barrett, let's just say can't be traded. He can, but, but it's too hard to trade him. Then the implication is that the jazz really wanted RJ Barrett, and he was some breaking point. That's just, that's not the case. The Jazz have always needed to get future picks more than tangible players or prospects like Quentin Grimes or even an OB Toppin who have multiple years left on their rookie scale deal. And I'm not saying they should have preferred Toppin to RJ Barrett, but when you're looking at Grimes specifically, another wing a little bit smaller than Barrett who can profile um, when you're not looking at his on ball stuff as someone who can exist in this three and D role, yeah, you prefer Quentin Grimes. He's going to be cheaper. For three years, you don't have to make this huge expensive bet on him. And I, so I don't know what the Knicks like think they're, and you know, I just, I don't, I understand what's happening here, but it's just so dumb because there's no more. This does not complicate the pursuit of Donovan Mitchell at all because, yes, RJ Barrett's technically off the table. I have to imagine that the Jazz probably have a list of priorities of who and what they want from the Knicks. And I would be floored. I would be flabbergasted if. R.J. Barrett was higher than fifth on that list. You have a 25 pick, a 27 pick, and a 29 pick, Quentin Grimes, and then maybe Barrett comes after that. But you also might have just had other year picks in there because, like, let's not forget, while you can't trade him in back-to-back -back years, you could still finagle deals where the Knicks are trading a 26 pick, a 2028 pick. So he could be, look, theoretically, as low as, like, what? Let's just say... Not that they could get all of them, but that they rank in order of preference what they want from the Knicks. I would hazard that the 2025, 2026, 2027, 2028, and 2029 first all appear ahead of R.J. Barrett, and I would think that Quentin Grimes does as well. That's six. Let's just call it five because maybe they're looking at it as, oh, well, 25 is not that far away. So we don't need to pretend like the Knicks have pulled themselves out of the Donald Mitchell sweepstakes or that they're doing some, you know, we don't need to heroicize this this framing like this is spin. That's exactly what this is. I still expect Donovan Mitchell to end up with the Knicks. Maybe this makes it slightly more likely that he's with the, um, the jazz until the regular season starts because the Knicks are actually pulling back. Perhaps they're higher on this core than expected. And they want to evaluate where they are before doing something during 
the regular season. Perhaps they start four and seven and then meet Utah's asking price. The other way that you could frame this, and if you've listened to this long, I'm sure you thought about it, that the Knicks are trying to get out in front of them giving up more first-round picks than have been reported. There's been the five first-round pick framing, which it sounds like a lot, but we know for a fact that only two unprotected first-rounders have been included. Uh, so that means that they're giving three first-rounders that aren't their own or that, like, that are heavily protected, I guess. And that's not really, when you're looking at the picks they have in Dallas's top 10 protected this year, Milwaukee's top four protected in 2025, and then the Detroit and Washington picks, they are probably not going to convey next year, and they will never convey higher than eighth, I think is the highest spot that one of them can be at, and it's protected so far out in the future, you can't really plan or bank on when you're going to get them. Um, those are not, like, they're useful. Don't get me wrong. When you pile first-round picks together, it's useful. That five first-round pick headline, that's going to draw attention. Uh, but it's not like the moon and back when you're looking at the offer. Uh, but perhaps the Knicks, understanding this, know that they're going to get to a point where we're talking about seven or eight first-round picks are going out, and that three to four of them are their own, and that three to four of them are unprotected. But it's okay because we got to keep R.J. Barrett. We were able to convince the Jazz to let us have him. I don't know what the ultimate package is going to be for Donovan Mitchell. Maybe he doesn't even go to the Knicks at this point. That's when I might start to buy into this, that the Knicks pulled back. Because if Donovan Mitchell is indeed sent elsewhere until then, this extension changes nothing for me. The Knicks are still the favorites um, because they still have the best package, even with it out with, without RJ Barrett included. If they go to the max or, or close to it when looking at their best assets, but it's also just an issue of, okay, was he ever part of the best package to begin with? The fact it's not the Knicks can still build the best package without RJ Barrett. It's was RJ Barrett ever included in the package that the jazz wanted the most, like re the realistic package. I'm sure they asked for everything and everyone, but the realistic package that they, that they actually want from the Knicks was he in it. I, I don't know. My guess is no, but he certainly doesn't need to be. And you don't need to view the RJ Barrett extension through the Donovan Mitchell prism. All this means is that he's most likely going to finish the season with the Knicks in the event they do not only make a Mitchell trade, but maybe some other, other trades. So he's going to finish the season with the Knicks. Nothing's guaranteed beyond that. Uh, you don't need to buy the spin here. This is just, I think it takes away from the decision the Knicks made. Uh, if you're trying to look at this as, oh, we were so willing to give him up, but this didn't meet our deadlines. So we were just going to sign him anyway. What? Like it, you, I would give the Knicks more credit if this wasn't the, the vein of reporting that we were being subjected to right now. And I would expect this all to end with either the Knicks using this as a way to say, well, we got to keep RJ Barrett, even though the jazz really wanted him when they traded for Don Mitchell, or it's preemptively getting out in front of the Knicks had to give up seven first round picks because they wouldn't include RJ Barrett. Maybe it's a little bit of both there either way. I think the RJ Barrett extension is good and justifiable for both team and player here. And I think it has zero bearing on what happens in the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes. And I will only believe that it has any impact on it if and when Donovan Mitchell heads elsewhere. That Those are my thoughts on the extension. What do you think? Let me know. Please remember to subscribe on YouTube and on your podcast player, both. It helps us out a ton. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and then also head over to YouTube. Like and comment on our YouTube videos to help the algorithm love us back. Follow us on the socials in the description. Links to those are in the descriptions. And also join our Discord. The link to that is in the description as well. Until next time, and as always, leave a shout out to one, the only, the draft pick that should have broken the curse, where one of the Knicks first rounders did not sign an extension before or since Charlie Ward. The one and only. Frank Mielke.